Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Welcome to Codish. I'm Casey Faced, your host. I'm the Heroku Python build pack maintainer here at uh, Heroku. And joining me today is Justin and Devin from LitCharts. Justin and Devin, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Hi, I'm Justin Kessler. Uh, I was the original editor-in-chief of SparkNotes and the product lead for SparkNotes in its first five years or so. Um, also the co-founder of LitCharts. Hello, I'm Devin Casparini. Um, I am a full-stack web developer at LitCharts. Um, I've been working in web development and primarily in the ad tech sphere for about eight years now. And I've been working with LitCharts uh, for the past year or so. I'm excited to have you both on today. Um, this is a topic that I find very exciting. It's the intersection between poetry and technology. Um, so today we're going to talk about lit charts. Can you tell me a little bit about what lit charts is? Sure. So lit charts is a collection of over 1400 guides to books, poems, literary devices, and more. Um, it arose out of the SparkNotes project, uh, which we learned a lot from in terms of how to be a web business, how to be a print publishing business once SparkNotes was acquired by Barnes & Noble, which happened in 2001. Mm -hmm. And we endeavored to make LitCharts something new, something better than any other literary resource that had been created on the web. And today, um, we have millions of people using LitCharts every month. We have an audience far beyond just students that also includes teachers, librarians, general interest readers, book club goers, um, and really anyone who cares about books, cares about poetry, and wants to learn more about literature. For those listeners who have not been to the site, when I first went, I was blown away by the amount of context per poem. Mm -hmm. um, it is really overwhelming and very cool. Um, you know, some of the hardest parts of kind of reading poetry for me is to um, make sure I have all the context and all that um, background. So y'all have done an impressive job of, of gathering that. So oh, thanks. can you talk about how you approached this um, problem? Um, how did you approach this complexity? What were you thinking about as you started to build this? Sure. So I think that also relates to the, the history um, of, the, of the product itself, right? So meaning all of the charts. When we created SparkNotes, it was very much like a port from uh, CliffNotes, which had been uh, the dominant literature guide for over you know 50 years. Mm -hmm. um, and SparkNotes was kind of like a a web-based free version uh, of a literature guide that at the time, you know, in the in the early days of the internet, was really it was a viable business model, right? To take something that was present in real life mm -hmm. that was you know sold in stores, which of course CliffNotes were interpret it for the web and offer it for free, right? And that's really what SparkNotes did. So SparkNotes was very much like uh, Cliff Notes in some ways. It was static text with links, and really to this day, uh, it is, right? Mm -hmm. With LitCharts, our problem um, was how do we take subjects like literature, um, 
poetry, of course, as a subset of literature, <laughs> and use technology in a way that hadn't been done before, mm-hmm. right? So that we're not just doing it for the sake of um, of using technology, but because we thought we could make it more helpful. Uh, we thought we could make the product illuminate uh, what's behind uh, all the layers that are in really mm-hmm. almost any poem, right? So we were thinking about how to do that, right? Um, and with the literature guide, we had the same process, right? We, we wanted to recreate uh, how you might interpret a book like The Great Gatsby or mm-hmm. um, To Kill a Mockingbird. But here it was, how are you going to take a look at a poem that everybody knows, let's say, like uh, The Road Not Taken, probably mm-hmm. you know, one of the most famous poems of the 20th century, and how can you do something new with it in a way that helps people get at what's there? So for a bunch of years, we thought about it. We had a ton of requests for poetry, uh, but we just didn't yet have the time to really figure out how to how to solve that problem in the way that we think we had solved the problem for the literature guides. Um, and then we came up with this idea that the poem itself could be a map to its analysis, right? So if we used the poem and we used technology uh, like you know hyperlinks and highlighting and color mm-hmm. and emphasis, bold and italics and so on, and we explained what was happening in the poem on, on the right column and on the left column, we actually showed in the poem itself where that was happening. Mm-hmm. We thought suddenly that would be a way into the poem that hadn't really been tried before, uh, and certainly not on a scale that we intend to do it, right, with you know, analyzing hundreds or even thousands of poems. Um, so once we had that idea, we got really excited about doing it because we knew for you know, a long time that poetry was a void um, that you know, any literary resource, of course, had to include, mm-hmm. right? So once we, we got really uh, excited about that approach, uh, and that we were convinced it would do justice um, to each poem that we covered. Uh, we went for it, and we tried it, and we now think we have a model that really can work with with any poem. Um, so you know that goes back to you know poems from you know, Shakespeare's time, or all the way up through Frost, or even f- poems that are being written today. It's a totally new way of putting a lens on every aspect of a poem, from rhyme scheme to meter to form to vocabulary. Um, It's a way in that we think hasn't really been there previously. Now, you talked about a form that can apply to all these different types of poetry, all these Mm -hmm. different formats and styles. How did you accomplish that from a technological standpoint? Like, how did that, what did that look like? We have a set framework that really, uh, like I said, works with any poem. Um, The first thing we do is we actually translate the poem into plain English. We had done this before with Shakespeare um, on the No Fear Shakespeare project back at Sparknotes and through the Shakespeare project that we've done for Lit Charts. Um, but with poems, what we're doing is is something similar, which is on the left side, you have the poem's text itself. Mm-hmm. And on the right side, and this is on desktop, of course, it's different on mobile since you don't really have columns. Mm-hmm. As you hover over the, the poem itself, you see the translation uh, into plain English of every single line of the poem, right? And that lets you quickly see what's happening in the poem, you know, the big ideas, um, but not really on any kind of level of depth. Mm-hmm. And once you get through the summary, we have a whole long list of other foundational aspects of the poem that we analyze, right? So that's the themes, that's symbols, poetic devices, mm-hmm. uh, like alliteration and so on, uh, vocabulary that's in the poem, the form, the meter, the rhyme scheme, uh, how the speaker is present in the poem, mm-hmm. the setting of the poem, the context of the poem. Like you said, Casey, there's there's a ton there. Mm-hmm. Right? Most of our guides are, are eight to ten thousand words um, on a single poem. So we found with 
those aspects in addition to a line-by-line -line analysis, which is where we actually go through every single line in the poem and do our best to explain what's happening in those lines. Mm -hmm. um, you end up with a complete picture of the poem that so far has worked for 110 plus that we've done and we yeah. think would work really for any poem. I imagine quite a bit of um, UX planning went into designing this because it is a, a ton of information, uh, but it's also approachable um, and, and pleasing to look at, which mm. I think really ties in well to the idea of you're enjoying the poems that you're, you're reading to. It's bringing a joy to it as well as all of this excellent context and information. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that UX uh, process, like what do you think about when you think about presenting this information um, sure. in a clear way? I think the first thing we thought about was how to make it intuitive, right? We didn't want to have a long list of instructions on how to use the product. <laughs> we wanted to make it obvious that you, know, you have the poem on the left, you have the explanation on the right, and as you scroll, you see the aspects of the poem, like I was mentioning, symbols, mm -hmm poetic devices and so on, you see them light up on the left. And so far, it seems like people just get that and it just works mm -hmm. um, and is intuitive. And um, and once we hit on that, it, it's not so complex. We're not using any kind of super intense technology to do that. It's mostly highlighting and links, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a way that you can almost annotate the poem visually uh, and make it clear what's happening on every one of those levels in a way that we haven't been able to do before. Yeah, I would definitely agree with um, uh, your statement on it's intuitive. It really, it really is. Uh, I wasn't looking for any guides on how to read this. I was just reading the guide on the poem, which uh, was really fun. You have a lot of poems in this framework now. Um, how do you choose uh, new poems to add? Um, is it a, a manual process? Do they go through some sort of review? Um, is it request based? Mm -hmm. How do you grow your your repertoire? Sure. So, so much of what we do is driven by users. Right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we believe in user-centric design. We have always, from the first day, had a, uh, a requests form on our site because mm -hmm. we, of course, believe that giving users and readers what they need most really makes the most sense um, in terms of a business, in terms of a product. And so we had gotten many requests for poetry over the years for specific poems. And until we actually had this approach, of course, we couldn't fulfill them. Um, but now... We found that after we added the poetry feature to Lit Charts, we're getting 10 times as many requests for poetry that mm. we did before. That's so um, exciting. And that, yeah, it's great. And it makes it um, easier for us to make those decisions about which works to cover because we can see exactly what people need help with the most, mm -hmm. right? Um, and sometimes there's you know, the obvious uh, candidates like you know Keats' poem or Shakespeare's sonnet, um, but also we're really interested in, in is covering poems that nobody else has covered, perhaps, um, or not in this way, mm -hmm. right? In, in this type of depth before. Um, so, of course, we we pay attention to SEO, we pay attention to keywords, and so on. But really, it's about user-driven requests. Sometimes about our own hunch, like we feel like, of course, we have to have the road not taken. That's obvious, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. But also, we're interested in, in poems that may not be so obvious, and that um, we might be the first to cover in a way like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, very selfishly, I would love to see some uh, EE Cummings on the website. Um, yeah, that's a great candidate. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've done any yet, but I have to check. I'm not 100% well, sure. I, I'm curious about this. The EE Cummings is a, um, a form of poetry where mm -hmm. the spacing of the words is actually um, important as well. Do you have ideas about how you would present something like that? Yeah, that's interesting. Of course, EE Cummings is a challenge in various ways, <laughs> uh, even, even visually. So mm -hmm. we think it's very, very important to represent the poem as 
you know, the poet intended mm-hmm. in the original text. Mm-hmm. So we would definitely make sure that the, the poem looked exactly as it did, as E. Cummings intended when it was published. Now, one catch there is I'm not sure exactly when E. Cummings, uh, all of his poetry was published, but of course, if it's a, a public domain poem, we can reproduce it in its entirety. Yeah. If it's not a public domain poem, we can't. So we'd have to address it in a different way mm-hmm. visually uh, if it weren't. Now, I'm, I'm so curious as to what this looks like from a technology standpoint. Are you doing any natural language processing on these poems or how did you achieve this smooth experience on the website um, from a reader's perspective? Um, can you talk a little bit about what, how this was built? What did it would look like to build this? Sure, yeah. Um, so there's kind of two parts to think about, right? There's the user-facing side that you saw um, where mm-hmm. we're showing a poetry guide with its analysis side by side with the poem text, right? Mm-hmm. There's also another side that you don't see, which is the admin side. And that's where our writers are going in and actually writing these poetry guides. Oh, wow. Um, we had to implement a HTML editor, like a WYSIWYG editor, mm-hmm. um, for them to write these guides. And then we used a, like a prior feature that we built um, highlighting, which mm-hmm. you, know, you might know from like using in your Kindle or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on paper. yeah we had to build the admin side to allow writers to build poetry guides and then we had to come in and build the user facing side so we can display those poetry guides to the end user and so we need to handle right all these different kinds of analyses that are going on whether Mm -hmm. it's the uh, themes of the poem the summary the form the structure that kind of thing and we need to store them in a way that we can display them on the fly, right? So as the user scrolls, we are showing them and we're showing where they're appearing in the poem. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so to that end, we split all of the different types of analyses into different like components. And then we're saving a copy of the text with each component so that we know, mm-hmm. for example, where this theme would appear in the poem. Mm-hmm. And then we are constantly rendering different copies as you're scrolling. Oh, wow. Oh, that is cool. It is a very smooth experience. Um, mm-hmm. That is very cool. So what's then next for Lit Charts? Is there some new feature? Is it more poems? Um, what's on the horizon for, for Lit Charts? Well, you know, over the past few months, we hit a thousand literature guides. So um, for us, that's always felt like the start. Mm. Right? We, we think really there's no reason why we couldn't have 10,000 guides to not just to books uh, and short stories and so on, but also to poems as well. So one obvious answer, of course, is to just continue building our collection, mm-hmm. continue covering literary works that haven't been covered before, um, filling in the gaps where, of course, we should be covering um, canonical texts as well. Um, and beyond that, we have you know a very long list of ideas uh, related to how we can possibly improve on this entire process of, of helping people access and understand literature. We, we intend to continue to, to build it out uh, beyond just fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and so on. Um, I look forward to, to whatever comes next. Um, any, any last words? Uh, we always love feedback from people, and we'd love to hear any reactions, uh, suggestions for improvement uh, to the poetry product, to anything we do on the charts. We have a contact form at the bottom of, uh, a link to it at the bottom of every page, and, and we love hearing from people and, and would welcome any kind of feedback. Thank you both for, for making the time and coming to talk about this really exciting project. Um, I encourage everybody to go and check it out right now. Stop what you're doing and go find your pa- favorite poem. 
thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Kizzy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Kodish podcast. Kodish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Kodish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.